listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Okay. We're talking about uh, this subject, five choices that great leaders make, successful leaders, ones that have made an impact, uh, ones that are actually getting things not done, not just the title of leader, but actually making things happen. And whether you are in the ministry as a you know, five-fold ministry gift, or you are uh, working in business, no matter what you're doing, these are not only scriptural, they're applicable to your personal life. So we're going to take you through these today, and I want to show you from scripture these, these are, now I wouldn't, I wouldn't look at this and say, you know, that this is just things that become habits, although they are, they can become, but these are choices that you have to make, uh, I would say conscious decisions that you have to make every single day as a leader, you have to make these decisions. And those that are successful are thinking through these things on a constant basis. They're always keeping these things in front of their eyes, always keeping these things in their minds uh, as they're going throughout what God's called them to do. And you have to do that. I read a book one time that I thought was so great that for a long time I kept it in my briefcase. And it was just a small little book, but it's called How Successful People Think. And it was an excellent, an excellent thought process because it broke down all the different ways. But you get to realize at the end of the book that successful people are thinking through things much differently than the average person is. They're thinking through things differently than the average person is. And that's really the thing that can, that can set you apart is that the Lord can anoint your mind and have you begin to see things that you've never seen before. See, that's the power of being led by the Spirit. You have access to the Spirit of God and you're seeing things you've never seen before and you're thinking about things differently than you ever have before. So I want to deal with this today. Five choices that great leaders make on a constant basis. And um, one of the things that I've seen, personal experience, I've seen other leaders do this. I've seen it, and of course it's in Scripture, is that number one, that's a good question. We should define that first. Per says, what makes you successful? That's actually a very good question because uh, before we even go any further, it should be defined. Like, how do you determine what successful is? And I'll tell you that the best definition I think that we could use in this situation, and that is this, because we're dealing with Christians, right? Everybody that's watching, uh, I'm sure, is a Christian. Maybe there are people that are watching that are not. You can be by the end of the broadcast. But what does it mean to be successful for a Christian? Here's the definition I would give you. That you have fully and efficiently carried out what God has called you to do. That's what I would call successful. That you have fully and efficiently carried out what God has called you to do. Great, great question because that should be defined. Because there's some people, they define success in a way that's very either materialistic or in a way that really shows, it holds you, there's no responsibility to production. And I think those are both mistakes. Because what if you only considered financial increase to be success? What if that was your only metric? What if that was your only metric? There are people who have a lot of money, but they are totally unhappy, they're full of depression, anxiety, suicidal thoughts, their marriages are falling apart, their kids don't serve the Lord, right? Is that success? I'd say no. <laughs> no. And so uh, you have to judge it by uh, what God has called you to do. 
Aaron said, so you don't reach success until you die at 103? No. If you're in the middle of what God's called you to do, in the middle of his will doing what you're called to do, then you're successful. I'm not where I'm going to be by the end of my life, but I'm in the middle of what God has called me to do right now and accomplishing it and it's coming to pass. And so success is seeing those things come to pass efficiently. And you see that everything's taking place by the hand of God. There's no struggle involved. It's God doing what he promised he would do and really empowering you to do what you're called to do. So no, I'm not going, I'm not where I am today where I used to be. God's brought me from somewhere, but I'm also not finishing here. I'm not finishing here. I'm headed somewhere just like you are. So we're not done, but you can be successful in the journey on, uh, in, inside the journey, I should say, that you're on for God. And so you don't have to be at the finish line to be successful, but you can be successful throughout the entire calling that's upon your life. Um, per said, is, is it connected to grace and favor? Well, obviously, if you're in the midst of doing what God's called you to do and obeying him, then grace and favor will be released to you. No question about it. If you are submitted to God, if you're doing what he's called you to do, grace and favor will definitely be attached to what you're doing. And so I'm going to show you uh, in scripture these five choices that great leaders will make on a constant basis. And, uh, and then you'll see, you'll see what I'm talking about, that these are things that have to be consciously done. Sorry, something got in my eye this morning before I came in. Um, things that are constantly done by these leaders that will put you in a place of success, constant success. And uh, I want to start with you in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Go with me if you will. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And um, we're going to look at the life of Paul. Uh, there's no way to argue that Paul was not successful in what he was called to do. Probably the most impactful apostle in the New Testament. And so... Um, I want to show you something because one thing that always impressed me about Paul is how not only he followed the voice of the Holy Spirit, but just because he was called didn't mean he stopped pressing in to go further in his personal life. Just because he had a gift, just because he had a calling did not mean he ever stopped pressing in to go further in what God had called him to do. And that is something that should be applauded. One of the most frustrating things you can see is uh, people who have a gift or people who have a calling on their life. And you can see they're either naturally talented, naturally gifted, and although they are, they don't press in because they just lean on their gift. They just lean on their natural talent and so they don't press in to go further. And so it becomes laziness rather than a diligence, a pressing in, a faithfulness to what God's called them to do. There's nothing more frustrating than seeing somebody that's naturally gifted and talented and then they don't use their gift to the full potential. They don't press in, they don't develop. And they just ride uh, on cruise control because they have that gift or that talent. And so number one, Somebody asked, do I need to pray for direction to be led by the Spirit rightly? Yeah, you, you, we should all pray for direction and fast and pray for direction. Jocelyn said, how do, how, as, how do was not, as, I think that's we, how do we as not as mature Christians do about finding, go about finding God's calling for our lives outside of fasting and prayer? Fasting and prayer are key, Jocelyn. Fasting and prayer are key that we humble ourselves we allow the flesh to be subdued and we listen for the voice of God. And prayer, access to God's voice, he wants to speak to us. He wants to lead us. He wants to guide us. And so we press in in prayer. We press in with fasting and we are listening for his voice. I would, I would recommend that to everybody. Of course, you read his word and uh, you can get around 
men and women of God who uh, can speak into your life as well. It'll help you. But number one is Paul the Apostle never stopped developing himself. And so the first thing you can see that's a choice uh, of every successful leader is that they never stop developing. They never stop developing themselves. They never stop pressing in. So choose to develop. Number one, choose to develop, choose to press in. Choose to continue uh, on this path. And Paul did that. This is funny to me, actually, because here we are until uh, in the last, really, moments of Paul's life. In the last moments of Paul's life. And here he is in imprisonment. And 2 Timothy is the last letter that Paul ever wrote. And here he is imprisoned in Rome. He's at the end of his life. Last, last letter that he'll write, they'll be in the, in the word of God. And here he is giving them personal instructions because he's going to continue to develop even in the last moments of his life. Notice this. He said, uh, verse 13, this is 2 Timothy 4 and verse 13. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, also the books, and above all, the parchments. And so Paul is calling for his notes, his books. He's going to continue to study and press in and develop himself even at the very end of his life even in imprisonment, even in the final moments. He's like, I'm not done yet. Bring me my books. Bring me my parchments. Bring me my notes. And, and he's still pressing in. He's, it's not like Paul is a young man at this point. And of course, he's been studying his whole life. He sat at the feet of Gamaliel. He was on a fast track to be, you know, a religious leader of the highest order. And, and here he is. Uh, probably the smartest man uh, around, and he's still calling for his books. He's still calling for his notes. He's still calling for his parchments. And uh, it's because those that are great, successful, impactful leaders, they will always continue to develop themselves on a regular basis, continue to develop themselves until Jesus comes. There's never going to be a time where people, where you should stop pressing in. There's never, there should never be a time where you stop learning, where you stop going forward. You keep pressing, you keep, you stay diligent, you stay faithful, you you stay hungry and you keep on moving forward. Uh, You've probably heard the term before that, uh, that uh, leaders are readers, leaders are readers. It's absolutely true that you continue. You know, I was reading a statistic that Dave Ramsey posted, which was kind of mind blowing. And he was talking about, um, things that successful people do. And, uh, let me see if I can find it. Um, here it is. It's, he posted this thing called 20 things the rich do every day that the poor do not do. And he was just going back between those that are successful and those that are not in their habits. And this, this actually, kind of blew me away. Um, listen to this. 86% of wealthy people love to read versus only 26% of poor people. 86% of the wealthy are reading and love to read versus only 26% of poor people. Um, There was another one here on the same list. Here it is. 88% of wealthy people read for 30 minutes or more each day for education or career reasons versus 2% of poor people. Think about that for a minute. Think about that. 88% of wealthy people read for 30 minutes or more each day for education or career reasons versus 2% of poor people. I'll give you one more. Uh, 
63% of wealthy parents make their children read two or more nonfiction books a month versus only 3% of poor people do that. Um, there was another one that I remember seeing in, seeing in here. Now, I won't even get into like the, the entertainment part. There it is. 86% of wealthy people believe in lifelong educational self-improvement versus 5% of poor people. So what, what, are they, what are they showing here? That those who continue in success, they don't think, well, I'm out of school. Thank God that's over. I don't have to read anymore. I don't have to study anymore. I don't have to develop anymore. It's showing you statistically that the people who are successful are not people who say, thank God that's over, I'm not gonna read anymore. The, the ones who are successful are the ones who keep pressing in, who keep on studying, who keep on, uh, uh, they stay diligent, especially as you saw the statistics I just read, especially in their line of work or what they're called to do or what they're supposed to be doing. They, they throw everything in and they're, they're going at it. They're continuing to read, read, read. I was having a, I had a, uh, a conversation last night and somebody was asking me like, you know, with all that you're doing, do you still take the time to read like outside the Bible? I said, absolutely, absolutely. And I, I was telling the story about how back when I, um, when I used to travel with my parents and even in the early years of my ministry because uh, technology was not as developed, but uh, I used to carry, this is funny to me now to even say this, I used to carry a separate piece of luggage, like a, it was like a big bag, uh, just to keep all the books that I would bring on the trips uh, with me. And so I'd have like 30, 40 books packed into like a piece of luggage to take a mini library with me when I traveled on the road. Thank God they developed Kindle and other things like that so you could have hundreds of books at your disposal. But like, you know, audible.com, uh, there's other ones just like that, Kindle, we found the app called Blinkist, which we started using here, which is really awesome. It breaks down those, those books. There are most all of the bestsellers are, are in that app. And it, it puts all the excess out, all the stuff you don't need to know, and breaks down the core ideas of every book that you want to read. And you can make notes and stuff. But there's all kinds of uh, like avenues and opportunities now that if people wanted to go at it, you're not too busy. You're not too busy to continue on and think about this, you can't afford, you can't afford to ignore what God's called you to do. You can't afford to uh, swipe away and say, well, you know, I'll, I'm nine to five. Once I'm out of there, I'm done. I'm done till I go back to work. You can't afford to be that way because you have to continue to advance. You have to continue to develop. This is what it's showing, not just in the scripture, but this is what it's showing in the statistics. This is what we know. This is what we know, that those who are making the biggest impact are people that are hungry to go higher, hungry to develop. Denise made a great comment, we must always be learning or we're not advancing. That's an excellent thought. We must always be learning or we're not advancing. There are things, think of it, think of it this way. There are things you don't know that if you did know them, they would help you to go to another level in what you, whether it's your ministry, whether it's your business. And the, the thing that makes me think, think like this um, is if I sit down with somebody and listen to them talk, I'm interested in hearing what they have to say. I'll locate pretty quickly what their love is, what they've put themselves into, and then I want to hear what they know about things. I want to hear, because let me tell you, I already know all the things I know. I want to hear the things that they know. And when you're having a conversation with somebody, locate it. Locate the thing they've thrown themselves into, and then glean from them everything you can glean from them. And conversations, you know, it's funny, it's like, <laughs> I had somebody tell me one time, they're like, man, we've been sitting here for like 40 minutes and I've not heard one thing about you. Like uh, you, I've been talking the whole time. It's like, no, I want you to talk the whole time. 
I want to learn what you know. I want to hear what you, you have to say. Because uh, you, can, you can glean these things from others that have already done it, that have already been successful. Very, very powerful thought. And so number one, uh, successful ch- uh, leaders, successful people, they continue to develop. They choose to develop every single day of their life. I would ask you this, what kind of a schedule do you have yourself on that is causing you to advance? Do you have any kind of discipline? You know, you read your Bible every day. Do you go beyond that? Are you interested? Like for example, are you interested in real estate investing? Are you interested in stock market investing, cryptocurrency investing? Are you interested in something that's going to take your life higher? Whatever it might be. Okay, well if you are, what are you studying that's going to help you, uh, uh, you know, attain that goal? What are, you, what are you putting into yourself? Do you listen to podcasts? Have you found uh, pr- professional, successful people in that arena that are giving you ideas, that are giving you uh, uh, tips on how to go deeper in that area that you want to go? And if not, develop one. So you know what? I- I'm going to locate. This is my goal. See, that was the other thing too. And that moves me to number two on the list. Number two is successful people uh, choose to have vision. They choose to have vision. If you don't run off vision, then you're, you're, making, a, you're making a huge mistake. Um, the Bible says that without, and I've talked about this before, but without prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Proverbs 29 and verse 18. Let me read it to you for those of you that, that don't know the scripture by heart. Proverbs 29, 18. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Or uh, the Hebrew here in the footnote says, could be said, or the people are discouraged. Think about that where there's no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint or the people are discouraged. So when you choose to have vision, and this will help to understand this because these things will all run together. Vision gives you a clear picture of not only what you should be doing, but also what you should not be doing, right? And so, this, this is why I say it's so vitally important, is if you don't have that vision in place, not only do you know what, not, not only do you not know what to do, you don't know what not to do. And what not to do can be just as important as what to do. Keep that in your spirit. I've said this before, if you've never heard it, that um, vision sets parameters. Vision sets parameters. So what do I mean by that? When you know what you're supposed to be doing or what you're called to do, then it sets a definition around your purpose and then it shows you what you should not be doing. Shows you also what you should not be doing. So the important part to understand is that once you have that call from God, that vision from God, you know the purpose of your life, it creates a prophetic vision for your life. So you say, if I'm called to do this, if I'm anointed to do this, it means I can't do all of these other things. I can't do all these other things. And it lets me uh, focus in strength in one direction. You've heard, I'm sure, the, uh, the, the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none. Jack of all trades, master of none. Sometimes people don't say the last part, but that's the full phrase. Some people just say, well, he's, he's a jack of all trades, as though it's like a good thing. But the full phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, which means you're involved in so many things that you've never become proficient in any one thing. You're involved in so many things that you've never become proficient in one thing. And so what's, what's the problem there? Is that there's never been any clear vision that's driven you in one direction. And so anybody that's successful is going to follow the prophetic vision for their life so that they know the direction they're going, they know what they should be doing, they know what they shouldn't be doing, 
right? And that's, that's extremely helpful to know because then once you discover God's purpose for your life, once you discover God's purpose for your life, it is so freeing to know, well, now that I know what I should be doing, I don't have to be involved in all this other stuff. And it keeps you from wandering, right? The Bible says the, those people cast off restraint when they don't have vision. What does that mean? There's nothing. See, when you have a vision, when you have goals, it is a restraint. You know what that means? It's keeping me in one vein. I've often used the uh, analogy that, you know, if you, if you play sports, that's why they get fined so heavily, you know, professional soccer players. That's why they get fined so heavily, you know, if they get caught even in the offseason smoking or, you know, getting drunk or whatever. It's because the team looks at that man and says, you know, we paid 50 million euros for you to come produce on our team. And you're going to treat your body that way that's going to take you out of shape. It's going to take you out of health. Uh, and we've paid 50 million euros for you to come do a job. So when those people know, even in someone I was talking to that got drafted into the NFL, they said, when I go back to see my trainer, when I come back to training camp, I better be at my weight. I better, I better have my body where it's supposed to be to carry out that position on the team. Because if I don't, they'll begin to fine me tens of thousands of dollars. Why? Because you've got a vision for the, the position you play on the team, the job that you've got to accomplish, and they know what it's going to take for you to be successful in carrying out that purpose. And so what happens? The thing that takes place is it sets those parameters because you have a vision. It sets the parameters because, and, and that way you'll never be frustrated. You'll never be frustrated. You'll carry out your purpose efficiently because you have prophetic vision. Successful leaders choose to have vision. Successful leaders choose to have vision. Number three, successful leaders choose to analyze constantly analyzing, constantly analyzing, constantly analyzing. Go to Luke chapter 14 with me. It's not enough to just keep doing something. Is it working? Is it working? Because if it's not, why would you keep doing it? Right? But in order to do that, you have to analyze the data. You have to analyze what's happening. Is it producing? Is are, is it causing things to grow? Are we going to another level? Luke chapter 14. Let's go to verse 28. The Bible says, For which of you, desiring to build a tower, does not first sit down and count the cost? whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Why? Didn't analyze. There was no, there was no um, analysis attached to the vision. They didn't look at what they were supposed to be doing. They didn't look at what they should be doing. Or what they have continued to do. You know, I always tell people, your, your calling, your purpose is set in stone, but the ways in which you accomplish it, don't get romantic about the methods because the methods may change. Don't get all stuck in on, you know, one, one method of doing things. What if the Lord changes it and you got all romantic about this way of doing things and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you find out it's not working anymore. And I've seen this happen in all kinds of situations, churches, businesses. Well, this is how we've always done it. And this is just why we keep doing it this way. We've always done it. Maybe it's time to not do it that way anymore. Maybe it's time to change the method. Doesn't mean you change the vision or the message. Doesn't mean you change the calling, but maybe that method's not the way anymore. Maybe you got to switch it up. Analyze. Is this working? Is this not working? If it's not working, scrap it. Nothing wrong with changing your methods, going to a different way of doing things. Analyze, count the cost, make a plan. Make a plan. And so this is one of the things that uh, I've, I've watched 
um, there are people that are successful, they don't care at all. They will chop something. I mean, if it, if it does not work, if it's not working, trust me, they're going to chop it and move on to something else. And they don't care. They don't care how long they've been doing it. If something's starting to show that it does not work anymore, cut it and move on to something else. See, because what God has called you to do, if you're in his will, then the things he's leading you to do are going to work. And so when you see something begin to not work or it's not producing or whatever, reevaluate it and say, is God in this? Is God still in this? Maybe he was in it for a time. Maybe he was leading you in that direction for a season. And then you miss the direction that this is not the thing anymore. Reevaluate it. Assess it. Analyze it. Is this still the thing God wants me to do? Is it producing? If not, I'm headed in a different direction. I am headed in a different direction. And that's all right, because that's what successful leaders will do. They'll constantly analyze. If I was putting all this money into advertising, you know, let's say, for example, I was a pastor of a church in a city, and I was dumping all this money into advertising, for example, with a billboard that was on the main interstate or, uh, or something like that. And I would continue to ask, how many are here? You saw our billboard. And you didn't even know our church was here, and you saw the billboard, and you decided to visit. And no hands were going up every week. There were no hands. Nobody was coming to my church from the billboard that I'm spending $3,000 a month to have up. Well, it might be time to reevaluate whether it's worth putting $3,000 a month into a billboard that's not bringing anybody to the church. And people are like, well, we just like having that billboard up because there's a lot of, yeah, you're not seeing any benefits from it. No benefits from it. And there's all kinds of, of situations like that where you're like, uh, you know, I've been doing this and I've stayed faithful, but it's not really producing. Well, then get rid of it. Analyze. Stop beating your head against a brick wall when something just doesn't seem to be working out. If you started an Etsy store making a product and, and, and you're just basically making your money back and no one's really buying the product, don't feel like a failure because you just shut it down and say, I'm going to go a different direction. It's not people don't seem to want that product. You see what I mean? People get off, they feel like a failure because they changed their method. You're not a failure because you changed your method. It just shows that you're wise. You analyze the situation, recognize that it didn't work, and you're going in another direction, finding something that does work that's going to make you successful. And so people that are uh, making an impact, people that are successful, they will analyze constantly. Analytic, analytics are so important. We get them wherever we can, however we can. We literally get them wherever we can, however we can. I'm so, I'm, I'm so big on it that literally, uh, if, I'm, if I'm posting a link to something, even on social media, I won't just post the link. I will find one of those link shorteners that I can put my link through before I post it to you guys to see, because when I do that, I'll get the full analytics. How many people clicked on it? How many people saw it versus how many people clicked through to, to go get it? That way I know. Whatever I did, this, this was something people enjoyed. This is something that people wanted to see. This is something people didn't care too much about. Then you can make better choices in the future because you've analyzed what you've been doing. You'd be surprised how many people never stop to analyze what they're doing. You'd be surprised how many people do not stop to look back and say, is this even worth the effort I'm putting into it? You see what I mean? And so... Very interesting, but successful people will analyze and they choose to analyze constantly what they're doing. That's right, Brother Herb, using wisdom. Here's one that never gets talked about, uh, but as often as it should, in my opinion. But what blows me away is how much now secular uh, authors and secular business people are recognizing this. And that is number four, uh, successful leaders choose to have joy. One of the things that's been making me laugh is to see how many, how many of these uh, secular authors, thank you, Ashley, how many of these secular authors are now talking about, and even podcasters and influencers and stuff, are talking about the power of joyfulness and having a good attitude and being kind to people. This has been cracking me up. People that aren't even saved 
like we see, we actually see great value in uh, just constantly being kind, constantly uh, being happy, constantly being peaceful. And I'm like, oh yeah, you're finally recognizing the benefits of the fruit of the spirit. Interesting. Interesting. It's like, it just seems like when we're just kind in business transactions and we choose to put kindness over everything else that people just respond differently. Oh, really? You're, you're discovering seed time and harvest for the first time. You're discovering the power of uh, the fruit of the spirit for the first time. And I'm watching all these influencers and these podcasters and these authors as they're starting to talk about this stuff. And they're like, you know, kindness is really the key. <laughs> it's like joy, happiness, you know, uh, you know, it's like, yeah. I get it because God created that power. And that's one of the things that you'll learn is that joy is the fuel for your purpose. Joy is the fuel for your purpose. If the devil can steal that from you, then you're in serious trouble because what he's actually stealing from you is the fuel to do what you're called to do. It's not just your strength. Although it is, the Bible says the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's not just your strength, although it is your strength. But on top of that, it is also the avenue that takes you to the inheritance God has given you in your covenant. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 12 and verse 3, with joy, you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of your salvation. Joy is the avenue. It's the avenue with which you take hold of your inheritance. You know, you realize because, and I don't mean happiness, like something good happened and I'm happy about it. I mean joy. Joy is a choice. It's a choice. And you know what's awesome? It it is a proof that you have faith in God. Constant joy is a proof that you have faith in God. Powerful. Constant joy is a proof that you have faith in God. Because you're saying, no matter what it looks like in the natural realm, I choose to believe the word of God over what's happening in the world, and I'm filled with joy, overwhelming joy. It's just a proof that I have faith in God. Well, That joy allows you to take hold of God's promises. It allows you to be filled with strength to accomplish your purpose. And that's why I believe the devil works so hard to put a spirit of heaviness on people, to put a spirit of fear on people. He doesn't want you to have that kind of joy that fuels you for what God's called you to do. You know, when you have a spirit of heaviness on you, depression, it causes you to retreat into isolation. That's not a Christian perspective. That's a secular psychological perspective. That's something that even secular psychologists have discovered to be true. That depression and anxiety cause you to retreat into isolation. So what happens? You don't become impactful. You isolate yourself from others. So you can't make an impact in their lives. You can't do what God's called you to do in your culture and your generation. That's why it's such a demonic thing. It takes you out. It takes you out. And so uh, you have to choose to walk in the supernatural joy of the Holy Ghost as a successful leader. Let me go on to the fifth one. And this is so key. Successful leaders choose to stay hungry and anointed. They choose to stay hungry and anointed. Number five. Successful leaders choose to stay hungry and anointed. Let me read you Psalm 92 and verse 10. The Bible says, But you, talking to the Lord, have exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. You have anointed me or poured over me fresh oil. My eyes have seen the downfall of my enemies. My ears have heard 
the doom of my evil assailants. Notice here it says you've, pour, you've anointed me with fresh oil. One translation says I shall be anointed with fresh oil. I love this. You've, exhorted, you've exalted my horn like that of a wild ox. Exalted my horn. That is a picture. If you read the commentary on this, that is a picture of victory. The horns were raised in victory. You have caused me to be victorious and I will be anointed with fresh oil. Notice that those that were in scripture that changed the world, they stayed hungry and they stayed anointed. They took, they actually employed the disciplines that were necessary to stay hungry and to stay anointed. You look even into the New Testament, what were they doing? They were constantly seeking the presence of God. I go back and look at these stories in the early church, Acts, in the book of Acts, and it's awesome that after they got filled with the Holy Ghost, they jumped onto a dedication that was so uncommon. So for example, you go and look at the, uh, the examples of the early church, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that they fasted two days every week, that they joined each other in the temple every day at the hour of prayer. You can see that uh, from Acts chapter 3, that they were every day praying for at least an hour, every, every week fasted two days a week. They were constantly searching the scriptures. They were following the apostles' doctrine. They were pressing in. And what took place? The thing that took place is that they changed the entire world in the midst of persecution. Actually, the, the threat was certain death. If you're a Christian, the threat is certain death. It's a death sentence to be a Christian for 300 years. But it didn't stop them. They turned the world upside down because they stayed hungry, they stayed anointed, and they pressed in. I think about even after Acts chapter 3, when they were uh, again being persecuted for the miracles that were taking place and for preaching in the name of Jesus, and they're rebuked and reproved and they're, you know, beaten on their back with rods and they're just, I mean, literally, they've been attacked. They still gathered back together in a home. And what did they do in Acts 4? They started praying again. It wasn't even their hour of prayer. They went back to another house. They'd probably done their hour of prayer that day already. Now they're praying again, pressing in again, asking God to move again. And the Bible says, and the house shook, and they were all filled and refilled with the Holy Ghost. Over and over and over, they continued to do the work of the Lord. They stayed hungry. They stayed anointed. How do you think they did such amazing things for the kingdom of God? They stayed hungry. They stayed anointed. Jesus said in, in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. They'll be filled. And so how did they do it? They stayed hungry. They stayed anointed. They kept pressing in over and over and over until they saw the result they were looking for. We make up in our minds. We make up in our minds. I don't care if other people are slacking off. I don't care if other people are falling by the wayside. I don't care if others don't want to do what God's called them to do. It's not going to affect me. What do I always confess over you, when those of you that are watching? I always confess it over you. And that is this. We will never be like the rest of this world. Our story will be different. We're the remnant. We're the ones that will not grow cold. We're the ones that won't fall away. We're the ones that will not have the same outcome as those who have put life on cruise control. It's not going to be us. It's not going to be us in Jesus' name. We're pressing in. We're going deeper. We're going to see what God said we could have. It's coming into our hand in Jesus' mighty name. It's coming into our hand in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And so I'm telling you, get ready. These five things will literally put you on a track for divine success. Supernatural. Because I found this out. Success in the kingdom of God, it's never random. 
It's never random. You'll never find somebody that just accidentally shot to the top. <laughs> You're never going to find somebody that accidentally got a breakthrough. That for no particular reason other than God just thought, well, today I think I'll give it to him. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. God is looking for people that are pressing in. Or as the Old Testament says it, their hearts are turned toward him. Their hearts are turned toward him. Second Chronicles 16, 9. And when he finds them, he will show himself strong and mighty on their behalf. Choose to develop yourself constantly. Choose to have prophetic vision in your life. If you don't have it now, seek it out by prayer and fasting. Choose to analyze your situation. Consistently and continually analyze what's going on in your life. Is any of this working? Is it not working? If it's not, things need to change. Number four, choose to walk in joy on a constant basis. And finally, choose to stay hungry and choose to stay anointed with fresh oil from heaven. Let me pray for you, those that are watching today. Father, we ask you in the mighty name of Jesus that before even half of this year comes to an end, I pray that you would lift us up by your mighty right hand. I pray that you would exalt us head and shoulders above those that don't have any desire to please you with their lives. Let us be spectacles in the kingdom of God in the mighty name of Jesus. Do what only you can do in our lives, I pray. And Lord, I ask you in Jesus' name that you would give us a fresh hunger, not just for your word, but for your spirit to press in in the Holy Ghost. I pray, Lord, that you'd fill us with a new joy by your spirit, overwhelming joy in Jesus' name. Let us become discerning. Give us insight. We thank you that your word declares that the secret things belong to the Lord but the things that are revealed belong to us and our children forever. Let us have access, Lord, to the secret things, to the mind of Christ. The Bible, your, your word declares that you made your ways known unto Moses and your acts to the children of Israel. Give us access to your ways this year in Jesus' mighty name. We want to know, we want to have a behind-the-scenes look at what you're doing in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, and we thank you for that. We thank you for that. Lord, I pray that this would be the year that we would press in more than ever and develop our gift, our talent to be pleasing to you. That you'll always see we're not those who coast through life. You can trust us with more because we've been faithful over little. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you praise and glory in Jesus' wonderful name. And if you believe it, somebody shout amen. Throw some fire in the comments section. Give God thanks and praise in Jesus' mighty name. At the end of the broadcast, giving you an opportunity to sow your seed today, to partner with this ministry. There on the screen, you can see all of the ways you can give. Go to miracleword.com, click on the give page, and you can see literally the full list of all the ways you can sow seed. There's digital platforms, cryptocurrency, many ways to give. But do what the Lord is asking you to do, and we're going to give you as a gift for those that are partnering with us, Brother Hagin's book, I Believe in Visions, and uh, that's for those that are standing with us at $85 or more this month. For those that are standing at $250 or more, we're including with that the miracle of the scarlet thread. And then on top of that, if you're standing at $1,000 or more, the Net Bible was 60,000 translator's notes. You do not want to miss what's getting ready to take place in Bible Study Made Simple. I'm so excited about this course. I can't wait till it launches. Thank you, Nicola. Uh, I can't wait until it launches. And it's launching on March the 28th. That's when registration opens. And, when, and let me explain this to you. When you register, you will have access to a library of videos that will already, already be up. And then every week after registration closes, you will have fresh content every single week as you're a part of this program. It's $15 a month to be a part of it. Uh, and very soon I will post the link so you can go check out the website and see all that you uh, will gain from the course. But man, I'm excited. And I will tell you why. This is one of the things that I'm asked about most often. People have questions about 
How do you do your Bible study? How do you read the scripture? What, what do you use when you're studying the Bible? Like what, what tools, what resources, what do you use commentaries? Do you use websites? Do you use notes? And I'm going to show you all of those things and more. I'm going to point you to the best free resources. I'm going to point you to things that if you want to spend money, you don't have to, but if you wanted to spend more money for biblical resources, I'm going to suggest to you what I think are the very best. And then we're going to go through and have a live Bible study together every single week, new content. And you'll be able to ask questions. You'll be able to get involved and uh, figure things out. It's going to be great. And so it launches March 28th and we close the registration on purpose. And the reason is this, number one, we want to make sure that we're all moving through this together. We will reopen it in the fall, but if you miss out on the registration, you'll go onto a waiting list uh, and have to wait till the fall to jump into the course. So get, get in while you can get in and uh, it's gonna be awesome. You'll really, really enjoy it. And uh, I can't wait to start, cannot wait to start. Again, tomorrow morning, my father, no, it's not gonna be on Zoom. It'll be hosted in, inside of Miracle Word University, Nancy. And then the, uh, the question and answer sessions will be in our private Facebook group, which you can join once you've joined the course. Um, tomorrow morning, my father is going to be joining me on the broadcast, dealing with the three demons that must be addressed that attack the believer and how the gifts of the spirit uh, work to set you free and keep you free and which gifts of the spirit are needed to stay free. You don't want to miss it. Tomorrow morning, my father will be joining at 10.30 a.m. I love you guys. Have a wonderful and a powerful day. Thank you for those that sowed. Thank you for those that are partnering. We'll see you again in the morning. Have a blessed day. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.